The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, it's wedding season. It's upon us. Is the season to be merry? <laughs> is there? I think there is a season for us now because we go very, very quiet. So December thirty first comes along, then boom, nothing. It's tumbleweed until May. Yeah, I had a busy December, and then I didn't have anything on New Year's Eve. Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. think so. Twenty first, I think, was my last one. And then, yeah, I've done one, I did one in April, yeah. and then, yeah, it starts again this weekend, the beginning of, well, practically the beginning of May, although it's the end of April for me, 30th. I, I've got a booking this, this coming week that I'm sure I've got the wrong, I've, we've probably got it the wrong way around. You've probably got mine, I've got yours, because I've got a wonderful couple, and it's, uh, I don't, I, I, I know you do, but I don't do entirely for the entire uh, wedding documentary you uh, often it's not often that i i mean usually at some stage somebody's going to say can we do a, a group shot or some some couple yeah. shots and that's fine because you know that's what i do but i've got one this week that said neil absolutely no way are you to ask us or anybody else for a group shot and i thought hang on as mullins got the wrong booking <laughs> have i got his he's got mine yeah no it's good it sounds like they are flipped because i've got I, i've got three group shots on mine but mine's on sunday oh, right, but it's right. a long i'm doing 10 a.m to 1 a.m <laughs> think of the money the fuji cast as they say that must that must set you up until what next april then <laughs> <laughs> don't have to do anymore and then you go on holiday Ken. I shall say thank you to the government for my relaxing year during the local elections oh I see I was going to say who needs to earn money not Kev oh I don't know how you afford that massive new mansion you've got and that sunseeker that's parked just outside Malmesbury Marina <laughs> our house is getting more difficult because as you know it's a tiny chocolate box cottage and the kids are getting bigger and bigger and bigger you know and it's like uh, well, Rosa wants to move to like a big house and I'm like no because in two years I'll move we'll get another 20 years added on the extent on the mortgage and then you'll move out and you'll meet a spotty kid in two years time farmer or something and go and live in his farm <laughs> And then I'll be left with a 20-year mortgage while you're buggering around this spotty farmer boy. What strange life you've got woven for her. <laughs> oh. Right, welcome to the Fujicast. Um, uh, another a couple of weeks has gone round and uh, we've got your questions to answer that you've sent in either via Facebook or via the, uh, the email. The email address actually uh, is click at fujicast.co.uk and uh, I'll say it slowly click at fujicast.co.uk because uh, we've got a sort of empty-ish mailbox I might be leaning on you for your Facebook stuff this week Kev yeah well we'll do our usual threat if you don't send us stuff we ain't coming back but you can also remember go to the website fujicast.co.uk and just fill in the, the form that will also get to us. I think that threat now is is like what's that? Uh, what was that? A wolf in sh- no sheep's cl- no a little red right um rumpel wolf still- in red clothing no uh, yeah. wolf in sheep clothing. <laughs> what was that one? No cry wolf. Ah, um, cry wolf. It was from Star Wars. That was the one. Yeah. What's the time, Mister Wolf? Do you ever play that with the kids? No. You still terrify Albie. What's the time? What's the time, Mister Wolf? Yeah, brilliant. They would go and stand by a tree and yeah. with their back to you, and then. Or everybody else would have to creep up to them as close as possible. And as soon as they turn around, 
they'd say, what's the time, Mr. Wolf? And basically the person who got the closest to them would win. Oh, and I do. I, yeah, I do remember that. I <laughs> Blimey, Kev. There's a memory. Life oh, <laughs> did it fright the life out of him? Yeah, oh. yeah. Most things did. How is he, Albs? Because I know, uh, let's not talk about football too much because it bores the living daylights out of uh, a lot of people, particularly people that aren't necessarily living on these shores. But poor yeah. Albs, I know he's got his red top of Arsenal and now, oh. Yeah, it? in fact, he's, uh, yes, so, uh, yeah, he's depressed about the football. But however, when as this show goes live, it will be his birthday, his oh, 12th birthday. Happy birthday yeah. to you. Raise happy a glass. Is, is, is he old enough yet for a little bit of little sniffle no comment <laughs> has he had a sniffle <laughs> no he hasn't he does like root beer though does he my grandma like my, my my dad's mum used to have a uh, uh this amazing wartime house it would never change since world war Two, and and it sort of it stopped at 1945 i think Nothing was... I don't think the electrics were replaced. It still had the old Bakelite two-pin... Th- what, Neil? Surely not. Yes, it did. I'm sure it did. It had a shored up under under the stairs. It was shored up with uh, railway sleepers um, because my grandma couldn't bear to send Dad away in the evacuation. And uh, so he used to sleep like Harry Potter under the stairs during the Blitz because they were in London. And, and then they had this sherry cupboard. Grandma had a sherry cupboard. Oh, I love sherry. See, I don't. I don't think I've had a bottle of sherry in this house for for many a year. Do people yeah. still drink sherry? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I'm not sure if many people do drink it, but I like it. I like sherry. But when I, I was, like it in a, like, I like it in a half pint glass. <laughs> That's not the way you're supposed <laughs> to drink it, Kev. Uh, when I was Alb's age, Grandma used to uh, used to say, "Come this way, come this way. Your mum and dad won't find out." We used to go to the sherry cupboard, and she had a few glasses in there. It was like a little <laughs> pantry, and she'd close the door. She <laughs> she'd pour out a little thimble of sherry. Here we go, son. Have some sherry. You know, um, you know, sherry makes your hair fall out. Oh, <laughs> is that what happened? <laughs> oh, Grandma, I'm looking up in the air now. It's all your blooming fault. If only I'd not <laughs> drunk those thimbles of sherry, I'd have full locks <laughs> like the Mullins. Wow. Right, um, we've got to thank, first of all, pick-time.com, as always, for their wonderful support for this uh, this show. If you, um, if you show your work online to clients, whether you're a wedding photographer, a portrait photographer, even a commercial photographer, um, this is a... Good, photographer, pet photographer. Yeah, sherry photographer. Yeah, then, photographer of sherry glasses. <laughs> Yeah, then uh, this is a great website to use to 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 show your work, to sell your work. Um, you can also sell albums through it. Kev sells his family through it. <laughs> yeah, and you can do the blogging. And actually, there was an interesting question popped up on the uh, not in the official question thread, but right. it's worth mentioning it because. Uh, the question was because obviously Pick Time now allowed you to do blogging, which yeah. is beautiful and very nice. Yeah. And the question was, what happens when if and when you decide to cancel your pick time subscription and you've got like 50 blogs that you've written and they're embedded in Squarespace or something. Good or point. Yeah, good point. It was a very good point. So I tagged um, Arga, who is in our Facebook group, who is uh, works for um, pick time. And she quickly came to the rescue and said that should that be the case, you can pay a nominal fee to pick time, which is just 12 US dollars for the whole year to keep your blogs online, which you can Oof. either do that 
forever, keep mm. your $12 going and keep your blogs online, or that would at least give you time to migrate your blog posts across elsewhere should you be moving platforms. So that there is you go. amazing. Very good. $12. You've you... everything. They have, haven't they? Yeah. And they have not got greedy about everything. No. What I like most about PickTime is that they give us money for talking about them on the podcast. <laughs> yes. there, there, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. And I'm looking, I'm actually looking forward to weddings kicking off properly so I can start doing my blogs. Yeah. Oh, cause um, you're going to, you're going to utilize that blog thing, aren't you? From through them. You're yeah. going to do your, you're going to do your normal Squarespace blog, which is the one that the, uh, uh that the public see, he says, making you sound yeah. like the Royal family. And you're going to do the private blog, the pick time blog which will be yeah. for your clients eyes only exactly yeah, so it. i'm looking forward to cracking i'll let you know how that goes and don't forget everybody you will get one month uh free which i think is a perpetual month from uh using the code fujicast yeah. all up the case yeah right questions do you want to dig into facebook first I will, yes, because uh, we do have quite a few on Facebook, Good. which we over the I'm, previous I'm, months that I'm we relieved. can dig into. I'm relieved. So, as is uh, as is now my tradition, I will start with the most pr- the latest one to be added, which is one day ago from uh, Tom Verhoeven. And actually, this is uh, Tom clearly didn't listen to last week's episode or two weeks ago because he says, "Curious what you guys made of the Pentax monochrome camera," because that was what we talked <laughs> quite a bit about, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So, in summary, Tom. Go and listen to the previous episode and then you'll find out. <laughs> Is that it? Is that the way you're going to answer that? <laughs> That's my answer. No. Um, yeah. So actually, it only just been announced then, hadn't it? And yeah. I've seen some reviews and everything of it now. And I, I did see something, whether it's true or not, that the... So there's two things that I picked up. The, the, mono, the, the Pentax monochrome camera came about because Pentax asked their user base what they would like them to do next. And that one. Pentax monochrome one so they went off and did that and then I also read somewhere which I find quite hard to believe that it's the fastest selling Pentax ever but that that may or may not be true so take that with a pinch of salt um but yeah it seems to be doing very very well and uh I really hope ears at Fujifilm are listening very carefully because I do on and I've always said this that I believe there is definitely a space for a, a good monochrome sensor in the Fujifilm camera range right. would be quite niche because obviously Fujifilm are known mostly for their colors but I think I think it would go. I'd buy two. That well, way. we've also uh, there, there's a there's a uh, there's a good strong client base, isn't there? Stronger than Pentax's client base, he says, wincing through his eyes. Probably, I would think. Yeah, I would guess so. Mm. Who knows? Maybe maybe Fujifilm will use the Pentax model as a as a benchmark just to see how it goes. I've just had a notification, Kev. I'm very excited. My 16 to 55 millimeter lens is arriving. We could have a bell ringing any moment. What are you going to use that for then? For my, uh, well, the shots that you don't like to do. All right. I won't, I won't, uh, here's a hint. I won't be using it for the first one. (laughs) First one. Yeah, yeah. There's no no rush right now. Yeah. Um, I'll send it back. No, I just need. Do you not have the 16mm lens though? uh, No, I I like the zoom um, element of it for, for two reasons, really. For filming. And that's really handy. I like the fact that um, I can remain wide open on it through the range, which is important to me. And I yeah. think I think it will be. Uh, it's, sl- it's, I mean, it's not really more expansive than an eighteen to fifty-five. We're talking, not not yeah. much difference. But 
I know it's I know it's not um I know it's not image stabilized this particular one but that doesn't really matter so much anymore because the camera's image stabilized itself isn't it mm. what happens by Although the way if you have a stacked stabilization like a lens and a camera it will be a little bit better but to be totally honest with you at that at 16 to 55 yeah. you, you know you don't need stable if if it was I don't know 200 mil or something then you know when you're hand holding it then stabilization a bit more isn't it more relevant I'm still slightly um I'm not sure that I know you love it but the 18 millimeter focal length for me i'm I'm st- i don't i don't know whether i'm quite there with it yet i'm so used to shooting 23 mil uh 35 in old money language well <laughs> whatever money language you want to call it but but i've i don't know whether i've got used to slightly wider thing you but you love it don't you yeah i love it that 18 mil is is, is lush yeah, yeah it is it's a wonderful lens um, love it love it love it love it love it you're, um, you're saying hang on to it and work with it a bit more, aren't you? That's what I'm reading. Well, I mean, some things work for you. Some things work for me. You know, yeah. there's no... Sorry, I'm just putting a hard disk on the floor. What? There's no... Um, there's no... Uh, you know, it'd be a boring world if we we're all the same. That's so true. That's true. That's your true. mileage may vary, as yeah, they say, as, as the way Mullen, too often. As the Mullins says. So if the doorbell rings, that'll be why. This is not so much a question, but I thought this was... Um, well, thank you so much for, for letting me know about it, Phil. And I don't know... Let me find out the date. Here we go. Uh, what do you think's happening on the 5th of July, 2023? It's a bit it's a bit UK-centric, but but it's a story that uh, I think is, is worth repeating. What do you think happens? 4th of July, we know what happens. That's a big, big day, obviously, for many people around the world. But 5th of July, what happens on the 5th of July, Kev? I'm trying to think. No idea. 75 years of the NHS. Oh, mm. and who can who have you got to thank for the NHS? Who, the uh, Welsh. Oh, really? And Iron Bevan invented of, the NHS? Of course it was, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't know why I said so it. So indirectly, yeah. you can thank me. On the 5th of July, I will expect presents. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like, Kev, for the 5th of July? Some sherry. Some sherry. <laughs> I don't know why I sounded surprised that the Welsh uh, were behind the NHS. I didn't mean it to sound like that. I, it was something I didn't. Well, no, know. they are generally useless at most things, no, but no, they, no. Did, they got that bit quite well, quite <laughs> right. Kev, you're Welsh. You shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> but no, this is the. I can say that then. This is this is the bit I thought you might like. Um, as we, I'm going to read it direct from the uh, um, NHS 75-fujifilm.com address. As we celebrate the 75th birthday of the NHS, we want to recognise the extraordinary dedication of the staff and those who work or volunteer alongside them who make the NHS what it is today, the institution that our fellow citizens say makes them proud to be British. NHS England, in partnership with Fujifilm, has launched a photography competition to celebrate 75 years of the NHS. Competition's an opportunity for staff and volunteers to share, through photos, their unique stories across five categories. Now, I won't go across any more because now what we'll simply do is put a link on the website. I don't know if the links are working nicely through the app as well. You'll notice, I think so. yeah, you'll notice they've been popping up. I know that Google still seem to have some sort of weird issue with hyperlinking everything where other people seem to be able to. I don't know why, but we'll we'll persevere. And I'll, I'll put a link up there, and you can join in. You can get involved and enter the competition. Excellent. What are the prizes? Uh, five cases of sherry. There we go. Yay. <laughs> That's, That's it, it. I meant <laughs> What does it say? Prizes. Oh, yeah. Each category has one overall winner and 14 highly commended photographs exhibited at the Fujifilm House of Photography in London. So uh, I, I can't find the other prizes here. Oh, well, there'll be some. A night out with Mullins. 
<laughs> that's good that's nice that's a good hookup that i like that nice yeah. story i didn't i wasn't aware of that no nor was i so uh thank you so much to phil ferris for sending that in and uh he's a fujifilm shooter so uh yeah he's got his th- he's got he says he's got his thinking hat on right now because he'll he'll be entering right yours mine right Robert Lyskowski. Right. Remember Robert? I had him a few weeks ago. Uh, hello again, he says. <laughs> I'm choosing I'm choosing a monitor. Oh. Choices seem to be endless. What's your approach to picking a monitor and what would be the criteria? Resolution, size, colour, gamut, hardware calibration, brand in question mark. Some people focus on the photo gear and end up editing photos on a laptop or only on a tablet. Or even worse, an all-purpose office monitor. If you would see such a person, would you apply some of your jujitsu black belt goodness? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I use... It's, not, I it's use, not jujitsu, it's judo. It's judo, yeah. I use two... Judo is grown-up jujitsu. Oh, don't start a fight. Um, <laughs> I use two monitors myself. I've got the BenQ 27, which I think you have as well. I've got a 32, but yeah. I've got 32. I've got a little paddle here, yeah. which I don't think either of us properly use. And you can calibrate that easily enough. And I also use, I've got a brand new uh, MacBook Pro 14 powered by the mighty M2 Pro chip, which is faster than a fast thing from Fastfill. And I have to say, it's colours when I put it side by side with the BenQ when it's calibrated with inverted commas. Ooh, pretty strong. Yeah. What do you you use the 32 BenQ? So, well, first of all, to answer that question about you know, should you should you be using a, a decent monitor for editing yes. um, colours and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. I mean, you know, I do know some people who, who just use a laptop. And, and whilst it's fair to say I've done that myself when I've been on holiday and various things like that, I always kind of come back to my colour calibrated monitor and kind of double check it all before it kind of goes out. So, yeah, I think that is important. I have the BenQ, but I also have a Dell 40-inch curved monitor uh the actual the sexy model number is u4021qw but that's that's not necessarily a, it's it's what sorry ace but that's like my laptop not necessarily built for oh my- yeah yeah no it is it's a, it's a prop it's a you know i mean this is this is a 1700 quid monitor it's uh, a, a hardware calibration and all sorts of uh, it so yeah it is nice but it's it's i i like it because it's really wide and i can basically do whatever i want and to that end my um my benq monitor is actually in albie's bedroom what so i did have it and i did use it for a long time you've got so, a 32 inch benq professional monitor in albie's room specifically made for playing games yeah it's great now you know, he literally only ever plays fifa though but and it's amazing i have to yeah. say like it is literally like watching match of the day oh. without all of the arguments <laughs> anyway that aside though so the, the one i'm looking at right this very second is a uh, dell ultra sharp 40 curved wuhd monitor right. there we go sexy names do you um when you so you you put your windows in lots of different places now across that screen yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's all over and i actually i also have a little tiny well, i say tiny it's like a 12 and a half inch uh Try and complete the sentence accessory now. Accessory monitor, <laughs> right, I suppose. Okay. It's only like 112, 120 quid off Amazon. It's ah, called A R Z O P A, and uh, you just plug it in by USB. It's not. A, it, it's not a. It's not color. It's, it's not even 4K. It's just HD. And that's what I stick my like you when I'm watching judo throughout the day or YouTube or whatever. I stick that on there, 
um, so I can just crack on with the work. So you have a monitor for judo. I have a monitor for judo. <laughs> Albie's got a monitor for FIFA, and I've got a monitor for Are you for sure you've not won the lottery? <laughs> God, um, I, I don't I, I don't want to seem like I'm picking a fight here, but uh, are you, you're going to say you don't remember anyway. But years ago, I remember you being here, and it was years, actually. It was BC. It was before COVID. You used to look at my monitor here and say, I don't get you people with a mac why you put your windows all over the 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 screen why do you do that and you're now doing the same mind you you've got no 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 no. i remember that and i still have that confusion what i don't understand is why on macs people never seem to have their windows maximized like if i'm only using one thing so right now i've got the facebook um, questions thread open in facebook on a web browser but it's maximized right because that's the only thing i'm using so I would only use multiple windows next to each other and stuff. If, like, when I'm doing my accounts, for example, I oh. need my little access database and yeah. my QuickBooks open and I have them side by side. But what I don't understand with, and I, it seems to be a Mac disease, I don't know, but not people disease. never seem to have their windows maximized. They're always a little bit not touching the edges, which gives me uh, the heebie-jeebies. Does it? And especially is, if there's... Is your window maximized now? No, no it's not. Yeah, see? <laughs> and it's, it's slightly to the right. And a bit of it has disappeared off the corner. <laughs> that would drive you mad, wouldn't it? <laughs> yep. Oh, right. Okay. Was that the question? Have we? Have we? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, yeah. Yeah. So so essentially, uh, Robert. Yeah. I, I would, if you're you know if you're a professional photographer, definitely look for, uh, you know, you want you, you want something that's abil- the ability to calibrate it for sure, whether that's hardware or whether you use a third-party tool. Size-wise, I would suggest at least 32 inches personally. 27 may work. I mean, do you do you find that 27 is okay for editing on, or is that, a, is that one you use typically for other stuff? I mainly use my 27 actually for, and I don't do a lot of it at the moment, for, for grading film colour. Uh... So what about your photo editing? Photo editing, I mainly do on my laptop, but it's not unusual that I may run a pass across this 27 just to make sure nothing really weird has happened. So is 27 the biggest size you've got in terms of monitors? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 27, you know, if it works on the old, then it will be good enough. But I I think I would find that a little bit too small personally. Um, But yeah, uh, good resolution is important. Um, Calibration is important. Yeah and uh yeah make sure it's you know just decent you don't want to you know i honestly i would say that you you're not going to be spending two three hundred quid on a on a professional monitor you, you can be spending several hundred pounds at least yeah. if you want a decent one um here have we got time for one before we speak to mr whisper this is quite ah uh, no that's quite a that's quite an involved one so let me try and find a less involved one um mark bajant i am binge listening to your catalog of podcasts and you ask for questions for the show. <laughs> we do, reasonably often. So here goes. He's got two. Well, he's called them both one. Anyway, one. Are Fuji, are Fuji files converted to JPEG better quality from Fuji X Raw Studio? I'm guessing that it's too clumsy for a heavy workload, but I only shoot small numbers of images now. I'm still using my X-T2 uh, because I've seen no reason to upgrade it. There's plenty of people still use it, XT2s. That, that's for sure. Go on, Kev. Well, what do you think? Well, I don't understand the question. Uh, uh, is it better than what? Um, are Fujifilm files converted to JPEG better quality from Fuji X Raw Studio? Well, so uh, if the question is, are they better than the JPEGs directly out of the camera? 
then the answer is no, they're identical yep. because XRAW Studio sends the image oh. back to the camera to process it. So so they're identical. XRAW Studio is an excellent tool, actually, yeah. but you're, you're quite right. You probably wouldn't be editing a whole wedding or anything no, on it, no, um, no. but it is, it is an excellent tool, totally free as well. Um, but if you're, if you're saying, are they better than JPEGs exported from Lightroom? I don't know. I've never really done a, a test on it. Probably, I mean, you're going to, it's going to be more accurate in terms of the film simulations and stuff. You know, you're, you're ne- regardless what anybody says, you will never get a JPEG out of Lightroom or Capture One or anything else. Uh, even if you're using the, the Adobe profiles, that is identical to the JPEG out of the camera. You just won't mm. be very close. You, some people may not be able to tell the difference, but you won't get it as close. So my answer would be no in that case, just in terms of the look and feel. But quality in terms of, uh, you know, JPEG is a is a compression standard. So quality wise should be should be the same, assuming you're exporting at 100% from Lightroom. Are you shooting your weddings now JPEG? Are you editing from JPEGs or or because I've, I'm sure we've had a conversation about this. I have slept since since then, obviously. But I, I thought you'd gone back to shooting or, or rather editing from JPEG files. Or am I wrong? No, I'm doing RAWs now because I, I use my presets, don't I? So they're RAWs. Ah, um, yes, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I have been going through all my archives and digging out random pictures and stuff. And uh, there was a whole period of time where I only shot JPEGs. Yeah. And so there is no no existing raw files. And what's but your yeah, thought? What's your last... thoughts? Do, do do they hold up? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're fine. You know, as you often say, we're not brain surgeons. We're wedding photographers. You know, we don't need to be producing ten billion inches wide, super fine, detailed images. So JPEGs are fine as long as you're um, confident with getting your exposures right and you're happy with the the film simulation that you're picking. Then yeah, absolutely. I still shoot JPEG for well, all my J- all my personal work, street photography, all that kind of stuff. So, but but weddings, no, I'm shooting raw and using my presets to edit. Mark has a, a question number two. I may have asked you this before, but my memory's a, a, a little duff since being in a coma. I didn't know that, Mark, um, uh, about you. I've I've retired from a forty-plus year career as a photographer, shooting a mix of lifestyle and architecture. My initial training was at the Joint Services School of Photography. I'm considering offering photo walks and talks to beginner photographers on a paid basis. Do you have any tips for doing this and how would you market it? I'm thinking of using Facebook local groups, maybe Instagram perhaps, um, an own website, maybe pick time free version and social media. I tell you what, there's so many different platforms you could use. Where would you, where would you even start in, with a new business these days? Um, I mean, I'll tell I, you what I would suggest, which yeah. I think is really good, Go is I would use Eventbrite oh, to set up your event. Yes. And that way, Eventbrite will then advertise on your behalf. Mm. Um, and you'll often see stuff popping up in Facebook and things like that in your local area. That are uh, that it happened to me. Just literally a very good example. Um, an Eventbrite thing popped up in front of me on Facebook. Gemma doesn't use Facebook, but she's she she she's a she's an artist, like you know, paints and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And a thing came up on Eventbrite, an ad an advert in Facebook uh, or sponsored ad, I should say, in Facebook for a what they call it a life life drawing class that was in Malmesbury. And so I said to Gemma, oh, did you know there's life drawing class in Malmesbury? And uh, she said no. And I sent her the link and she signed up. And she went off to a life drawing class. And yeah, and, and so I think Eventbrite for things like that is amazing. Why don't you use it? I'm thinking about using it, actually. Oh, yeah. I have to say that the, the, the challenge for me, the reason why I haven't used it for my workshops is A, I'm not doing that many of them at the moment. But B, also from a stock 
management point of view, it's quite tricky. Right. So, you know, if, if, if I put a workshop out and I only have eight people on my workshops mm-hmm. and then eight people sign up on Eventbrite and eight people sign up on my website, you know, within roughly the same period of time, I haven't had time to take it down off my website, then, then that's, that's a bit of a challenge. Oh, it is, um, yeah. So that that's that's really it. But if you are only using Eventbrite, then then that would be all right. So I would I would look at Eventbrite for you, and and that's very localized as well. So, um, fa- you know, fa- fa- Facebook is a good idea as well, Mark. I think if yeah. you're going to add a social on there, Facebook is the one that. Now we've had many conversations about Facebook advertising, but you can drill down and and use it reasonably well to target particular sectors and demos. And I think I think that would be a good way to to also go forward. Um, yeah, but you'll pay for it if you're using you targeted ads. Yeah, you will. You'll pay quite yeah. a lot. Oh, um, and if you've only got a hand, if these are small photo walks that I'm guessing you're not going to be charging hundreds and hundreds of pounds for, then you know it might be a little bit overkill. But but potentially, you know, we don't know what your plans are. He did say tips for doing this, and and if you mean by that what you would teach during your photo walks, I know you've got some. Uh, reasonably uh, uh, well, a good background with your your joint services school of photography training but but um in, in terms of going on a photo walk and uh, I, obviously I, I run a photo walk podcast and i've been considering doing photo walks as a as a workshoppy uh, experience as well it's difficult to know what to teach or what to workshop on a photo walk don't you think kev yeah i mean i is it street is it landscape is it a walk is it beginner okay, information? So, so I do have some kind of pretty strong views on, on this. So that I think there's a very big difference between a photo walk and a workshop. So my my workshops are workshops, although we do walk. We do do a lot of walking. But they're not. I'm not basically just taking people around nice places and saying, there you go, take some photos of that. Uh, you know, they are workshops, you know, and, and, and people come. And I, I always say to them at the beginning of the day, don't forget, this isn't a watch shop. It's a workshop. Um, and so, you know, they're shooting. But, but a work, a, a walk, a photo walk, uh, such as the ones that like Matt, Matt Hart used to do, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he would charge, but only a nominal fee because, you know, he and he did really good ones. He would, you know, he knew his routes. He would take people to lands uh, to landmarks, and you know, he would take them at the right times of the day when the lights nice and everything. But they weren't necess- They weren't. He wasn't teaching them how to take photos. So um, there's there's the difference. I think uh, photo walk is you know is is more of a uh, I don't know guided tour, but I don't think they should be marketed as an educational thing. I think that's more of a workshop. Hmm. Uh, I'm with you, but the uh, with the caveat that just because it's experiential doesn't necessarily negate the opportunity to also learn. But best of luck, Mark. Um, we'd like to hear back about your photo walks understand how you've made them a, a learning experience as well if that's what you're going to do right we met mr whisper a few weeks ago didn't we part one um we had from mr whisper part two coming up now where we learn about uh, a book about his relationship with fuji um met many things and this idea of carrying your office on your back which is an expression i very much like part two then of uh, our chat with mr whisper when you know a city so well as you do now, having shot in the, the city of London for so long, are there places that you regularly return to or, or, or do you try not to do that? I definitely go back to the same places, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I will I will make different routes which probably end up 
always end up in the West End. So, for example, I, I hadn't seen the new Battersea power station. So I thought, right, let's go and have a look at that, yeah. see what that's like, and then walk in from the city in that direction. And then, you know, something like next week, I'll probably start from the East End of London and then walk back into the city that way. So I definitely have a strong sense of kind of belonging in Soho. I love I yeah. love being in there. You know, it's where I worked. It's where I now kind of document. But, you know, it's it's definitely drawn to those. Mm. Those are my, my areas of interest. But I love to just, you know, throw myself somewhere where I don't know. Okay, let's just get off at this station and see what happens. So, you know, that yeah. often <laughs> happens well, as well. I mean, it's an amazing network to be able to do that, isn't it? And uh yeah, I, I think you could be travelling on the London Underground forever, really, and get off at stations that you've never got off uh, before. We're so used to seeing or following street shooters who who see in black and white, making an amazing job of it. But you're certainly, you're firmly a colourist in terms of seeing in colour with your pictures. Why is that? Um, I just feel that my photography is not as kind of evocative when it's in black and white right. i've tried yeah. i've tried but i just feel there's there's so much more personally i don't want to f- offend every black and white no. photographer <laughs> i'm out sure there. we won't no not at you all you know yeah I, I just feel there would be so much of the story for me lost if i didn't have the colors in there yeah but then, you know, I I would really have to learn. I, would, I guess I'm not educated enough about how you take a proper black and white photo because when I see people who take amazing black and white photography, I guess what maybe puts me off a little bit is the fact that it relies heavily on light. Mm. And, you know, light is one of my kind of moving plates. One Light is already one of my moving plates. And if I was to make it more difficult, then I'm not sure how my... My photography would turn out definitely be a good challenge for me to do. But I have a thing for colour. Yeah, yeah. Well, in terms of colour, uh, and you mentioned the cinematic. Well, you mentioned the word cinematic, and I think there's a very cinematic feel to your work. Um, certainly in the colouring of it, a sort of um, well, a teal and orange, and occasionally a hint of cross processing. To me, that is. It might not be the way you're processing it. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is part of your signature. How do you go about that? So I use Lightroom to edit all my images. And for a long time, I used to, I think up until about four, the pre-COVID, I used to edit each image very kind of individually for its mood. And then I would only post one image at a time. It was yeah. very like a different process for me. And then um, I've been working on my my solo book, little plug there, for the last <laughs> few years. And um, and it was through that process that when I was looking at stuff together that I was like, actually, it would be nice if they followed a very light but kind of uniform look and feel. So I have made one preset that I have used since probably, probably since, yeah, since COVID ended. Wow. So, yeah. One, one preset. Wow. That's it. And then I adjust that. Right. Because I don't want much fuss anymore. I no. just want it. I know if the photo works. Yeah. If it's too dark and I'm trying to pull it out, I can clearly see it and it takes on a different look altogether. And there's a really fine line between, you know, like the reality and then it not looking like reality. And I want it somewhere to sit just, you know, it's real, but then it's been, you know, like like you would be watching a cinematic yeah. movie. It's been colour graded. Is it a bit like the Colonel's secret recipe that that, that preset is kept locked under <laughs> uh, in a safe somewhere, never never to be shared? Exactly. I've, <laughs> I've never actually shared. I mean, I only thought of that like very recently because yeah. a lot of people ask me to sell 
my presets. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'd like, no one knows. Like, even if I said, look, let's go back to my, my <laughs> current feed until January and everything's been done with one preset. Yeah. Like, you know, every, and everyone's like, are you ever going to sell it? I was like, never. So yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, you, you've got years to build this, Bal. Um, <laughs> you could just build this sort of secret one thing. Just take some pictures of a lock and key or, or <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put yeah. a, a timer on it. <laughs> um, you mentioned the book, and I do want to mention the book. This is a good time to give it a, a proper, big, hearty, unashamed <laughs> plug. So go on. <laughs> oh, thank you. So yeah, for the um, for the last few years, I um, I think it's probably three years. I was approached by a publisher. They said we'd love to put a book together of your of your work, and I said, look, if I if I do a book, I want it to be with just brand new work, stuff yeah. that people have never seen before. And so I embarked on this journey, which kind of we, you know, I came to. Sorry, I should I should tell you what the title of the yeah, book is. Yeah. So the but the title of the book will be London in Transit. I was going to do it if you didn't do it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's London in Transit, and it's basically almost you know me documenting the city nights, mm. um, but using kind of London's iconic buses, taxis, underground to frame these narratives of people just you know in transit through the city. So you know it's it's almost a decades collection of my favourite work and. You know, moving right up to the very day uh, to to today. You know, I might go out and shoot something which will be in it today. So that is something that I have been painstakingly putting together. It's my dream because when I go into a bookshop and I pick up a, a old photography book and I see like Piccadilly Circus yeah. and it had real light bulbs on Piccadilly Circus. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just, there's some, you know, it gives me goosebumps to think what it was like to live in a time like that. You see the fonts and the colours and the way people are dressed and the cars, you know, every, and, and that, you know, every era has its own, you know, kind of colour palette, as, yeah, you know, yeah. as, as do cars, you can see clearly, oh, it's, it's an eggshell look this season and last season it was all metallics. So, you know, there's there's a real way to timestamp your photography. And for me, that's what I really want. I want people to pick this book up in, in you know, 50 years and just be really either nostalgic or curious or inspire them to document their own city in the, in a similar vein. So, yeah, it's uh, I'm really excited about it. It's it's almost it's almost coming together. I'm just writing the final bits and pieces. So very, very excited. It's with um, truck publishing and should be out at the end of September, early October. Do you, do you feel um, that you're making tomorrow's nostalgia? Is that what goes through your mind when you're when you're making your pictures? You hinted to it there that it probably is. Well, I just I, I feel that it's such a large collection of kind of intricate moments, but they're very softly recognised within a within a window of London. And you know, like I say, I, I do use my my community. Um, for feedback and there's certain images you put on and then immediately people are nostalgic oh my gosh me and my husband this yeah. is where he engaged you know yeah. proposed to me or yeah. this is where we met and it's those stories that you know then suddenly make me look at my images in a complete wow i didn't see that i just saw the beautiful colors of their scarf and their hat but you saw this other story between you know two strangers on on the platform so i i love love I just want to invite people in as long as my images are, you know, in, invite you in to wonder what the story is. I think that's how people will connect 
in those various different ways, or, or at least that's what I would hope. Well, let's talk about Fujifilm and your relationship with them. I watched your review of the X-T5 online. I love the idea of the fact you travel with your office on your back. I like that as a statement, um, <laughs> which, which includes the camera, of course. Give me an idea of what's in that office. <laughs> Not much, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I like to, and, and this is all born from my um, smart photography days, yeah. and, and certainly the way that, you know, I remember when I pulled up, in Brazil at the media tent uh, with the rest of the guys ready to make their stuff for the World Cup. Mm. <laughs> Me and my creative partner had two rucksacks on our back. <laughs> the rest of the team had like 10 flight cases full of cameras and equipment. And I looked and I said, I will never be that guy. Yeah. You, didn't feel in, you didn't feel intimidated then? You, it, this, this, no. this actually underlined it that you did not want to be like that. No, I felt like I was in the new world and they were in the old world, right. to be honest. <laughs> okay. It was just like, this is what, you know, we can still create great stuff, but we don't need to do this. And that, that was kind of one of the issues I had with, you know, back in, back in the day with my advertising. I mean, we put a lot of effort into stuff that's just thrown away, you know, which, which is exactly where our culture is now. But um, yeah, so in the office, you'll find generally I will have my XT5. There'll be two extra batteries which i'm yet to get onto the second i've only used one uh, extra i'll have an extra sd card in there and probably if it's a if i'm on a client shoot then i will take my three lenses with me which will be my xf56 1.2 wr the 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 second generation one my 33 mil um, 1.4 and my 16 so that i can kind of get a nice wide and then if i need something a bit closer or i've got my telephoto um, i would never find a 50 to 140 in there would i no 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 i, I, I shoot um purely with primes yeah and then are there any other there's there's probably a few there's always an umbrella in my bag because that's just the way we are in london <laughs> and uh and yeah there's i've got a little rain case for my I think for the camera, but that's just like a plastic bag that you put on. And that's it. Yeah. I I mean, if, you know, when I go out normally, it's just me, my camera and two batteries. So, mm. but if, you know, for a client shoot, it's, it's yeah. Three, three lenses is, I mean, when I went to Stockholm, I only took, I think it was the 56 and the 16. Would, would you take a laptop with you or a, an iPad pro or? Oh, of course. Yes. Sorry. There is all. Yes. Oh, it's always, see, I knew there was something else in there. I thought there was something missing. I, w- I wasn't sure if we were talking full. Ah. Okay. So full kit bag. Yeah. That would be a MacBook pro. This is the 13 inch version and then also i have a, a really cool let's say a two terabyte sand disk super fast ssd drive so basically when i'm when i'm out on location on a shoot and stuff does need to be edited this again is the most compact um, setup i could find and most powerful it also allows me to edit sh- uh, video shorts very comfortably so hence i was tempted to get an iPad, but it just couldn't do everything I needed. So I found this was my ideal setup. My word, that's nothing at all in that bag. You could sit on a Ryanair flight quite comfortably and never have to panic that, 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 that your bag's not going to fit in the little thing that they have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you, um, you chose Stockholm to make that XT5 film in. I know you love the Metro system there. I know that, and I heard that on the film. 
Uh, but mm-hmm. what else draws you there? Because um, forgive me those who live in Sweden, a best kept secret by all accounts for street photography, because it's not initially the first place you think of when you think street photography. And that was the place you chose to make mm-hmm. the X-T5 film in for Fujifilm. Yes, yes, indeed. So originally when I was thinking of what we do with the X-T5, I think my main focus was I wanted to, I wanted a city full of neons that I'd not shot before because then I knew there would be good ambient light for me to shoot subjects with and there would be a beautiful colour palette to yeah, work with. Yeah. So again, I reached out to my, uh, my street photography community and said, where are the best neons in Europe, people? <laughs> And I got back, uh, where was it? It was the two most popular answers were Poland, very surprisingly, and Stockholm. When I looked into Poland, Poland was amazing because it had a a real renaissance of putting all their neons back in the city because they really wanted to just uplift the city, I think, after COVID or something. So it it was full of neons, which is still on my list of places to go. But then when I heard about Stockholm, Stockholm had the neons above ground and then it had the incredible subway below. I know. That's got that's got more of a, a visual offering for me where I don't feel I could I could really go wrong. So um yeah, that's that's why it had to it was the destination of choice. And how did the relationship with Fujifilm start then? It it is a question that sooner or later I can almost hear people saying, Ask him, ask him, ask him how to become an ambassador, please. Yes. Um, so Fujifilm actually reached out to me. They, it was as simple as using their hashtag. Yep. So I think originally, like, they, they, there wasn't a way of talking to Fujifilm for a long time. And then they, they switched things up and they were very keen to just do more stuff with people who were engaged with their products. Yeah, yeah. And I had always thought, I, I've just naturally been a Fujifilm user since day one. Um, one, two, three, four, five. I've got all the XT series. Um, I've used them for all my client work. Would it not make sense for us to work together on something? And then from there, I think they they gave me... So, yeah, they, they recognized a post on Instagram. They got in touch. And then I was invited in to meet them i think after the second time they posted something of mine on their social channel and then the rest is history yeah pretty much i'm i'm so curious about new products Mm. learning new things especially about you know i was i was very curious about taking my work into print it's always been digital and so then we got together and worked on a couple of projects which showcased their printing capabilities but at the same time i was invited into a world of like you know, I bumped into David Bailey at the printers that I was oh, using. Wow. <laughs> That's, you know, the insight I was, and that yeah. was purely by mistake. You know, <laughs> they, <laughs> I walked into the printers, were like, oh, oh, please don't, don't put your smart, smartphone over there. And I was like, that's someone famous, isn't it? And they were like, yeah, that's David Bailey who's printing out his latest stuff. And so I got, you know, they put me in places to really educate me into the, the best way of printing my work, testing out products. And it's just, you know, it's stories that I love to tell. It, mm. It's not me pretending with, you know, another smartphone, trying to make the best out of it and doing stuff that, you know, aren't really that native to me, i.e. doing a long exposure, yeah. whereas I can just 
I have full confidence in in what I'm using. I know I know I know I'm getting my hands on the latest. So I'm just excited to see how 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 this can utilize my workflow or complement it. Uh, the the printing that was also something that that um, was at the time of COVID as well, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Because you wanted a way to 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 be able to service those that follow you and those that have been asking for work. That, that's when printing came about for you, wasn't it? Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. You, you've, you've done your homework, oh, sir. I've, yeah, we've, don't look in your cupboard. I'll be in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but it, was, it, was, it was a revelation for you probably after all those years, wasn't it? Oh, my word, I'm now printing. What? What's this? Exactly. I mean, yeah, the fact that, it, it, you know, it, it kind of, I'd done an exhibition here and there um, and then speaking to my publisher about this, the work. And then I'm like, hang on, I've got this huge catalogue of work, yeah. which is just ready to go. It's, I don't need to do anything other than learn this final process to the best of my ability. Yeah. And then I'll be happy to present it in that way. So, um, it, again, it was a really great eye opener. So um, I think, I think COVID COVID got us all being very creative. <laughs> well, we had to think of different ways of doing things, and you, you certainly did, didn't you? You might be uh, forgiven with a cursory glance of thinking that your work is mainly candid. But no, you do shoot street portraits, and there's a good representation of that within your photography for InPost, which is mm-hmm. like Humans of New York, isn't it? Do you feel yes. as comfortable working that way? I did. I did. Again, that was the reason. The whole reason I took on that project was that it was my first time to actually interact with the people that I shoot. You know, often, you know, I have various ways of shooting people and them not knowing and, you know, not getting in trouble, touch wood for my whole career. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that I would slur- sometimes regret is when I'd get back to my computer and have a look at the few frames that I'd taken of them approaching me. You know, there's obviously the the initial one of surprise, then there's the pure eye contact, and then there's generally the smile, which, yeah. you know, I, I'm not going to be giving any eye contact, but I would only see that after the uh, after the event. So when when Impost came to me with this project, I was really up for it because I was like, I would really like to engage and see how people just, how do they honestly feel when their photos being taken on the street? And everyone was so lovely. There was obviously people who didn't want to take their photos, but you can really engage, find out how people are feeling and, and put them at ease. I mean, I did it over, I think it was over the space of three months. So I definitely, definitely got more comfortable with it and learned different ways to approach people and how to quickly make them comfortable within the one or two minutes we had to, you know, to make our our work. Well, there's some super pictures in there. You mentioned uh, words you've mentioned, my publisher, you're an ambassador. Third parties are, well, as I see it, queuing up to work with you. There must be a certain amount of pinching yourself going on, Bal, or, or, or is it just another day at the office for you? No, no. Every day, every every day, there's. It's just you know, they're the nightmares that keep me up. <laughs> When's it all gonna stop? No, I'm just gonna wake up. No. <laughs> but um, no, it's you know, it's like I said, it's a very un. It's not a real situation to be in. Uh, I feel my my very simple simple motto is I know that the more that I put in that somewhere and and it's the most random you know thing it will tweak it will tweak someone's switch and they will get in touch and they will see how can we work together and and it's it's phenomenal how how ridiculous the the kind of strings that put us together are but yet the, I I also love that excitement of it of not knowing what what comes next and how I can make it work. 
And our thanks to, to Mr. Whisper for being uh, for being our guest over the, the last couple of episodes. Right, Kev? Straight back into questions. It's your turn, sir, from Facebook. Okay, so I will go up to... There was one from Andy Stonia. Quick question, QQ. Upgrade into the new 23mm uh, and wonder, does the new linear motor use more or less battery power than the old system? Benjamin Beatty actually replied on the Facebook group. It says, "Haven't used the 23, the new 23 with the linear motor on my XT3 for about six months now. I really couldn't say I've noticed an impact on battery life compared to any other lenses. Yeah. Uh, it really is exquisitely sharp lens. I feel like I've upgraded megapixels when using it. Um, yeah, I, my guess, my answer, I, I would say yes. It probably does use up a little tiny bit more battery, but no." Certainly not anything that I've noticed either. Not that I use 23, but the 18 linear motor and the other lenses with linear motors, um, I don't. I don't feel like they're going through batteries any quicker. So I would say marginal, if anything. I've just received. I was listening. I've just received my 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 lens. The the doorbell went, which I think I managed to hide quite well. But it's arrived, and the driver said, "Is damaged." Oh no. Well, the box is just like, it's almost like somebody's ripped it open. Oh, no. Did you refute? You shouldn't have, uh, aren't you meant to not take it? Just send it back? No, he marked it down as damaged, and therefore you get the insurance. Oh, okay. Well, if the lens is all right, you don't need any of the boxes anyway. Well, I think it's pretty well. Yeah. I'd be surprised if the lens inside is damaged. How would I? Well, I, I'll just put it through its paces and find out. Yeah, you have to try it. That's yeah. really annoying. Yeah. Oh, I was all you'll, ex- know, you'll know when you open the inside box. If it's still securely packaged inside, it'll be all right. Yeah. But on a happier note, I also just had a delivery oh. of £636.80. Oh. Yeah, from a pick time sale from last week. That is amazing, Kev. Yes. And that's not even just made up. No. It's just dropped into my QuickBooks right now. Your delivery was much better than, well, I don't know yet. My delivery might be a great delivery. My £636.80 is not damaged, as far as I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Yours is all profit. <laughs> mine's all loss. <laughs> well, not really loss. Mine's <laughs> mine's spend. Yours is yeah. profit. Yeah. <sighs> oh, oh, right. It'll be all right. I'm sure it'll be all right. I hope so. Um, there's another sub-monitor um, question here. I'm just going to have to... <laughs> Oh God! I'm just going to press delete on that one. <laughs> Hello, are we still here? Yeah. Hello, uh, I can't hear you. Uh, I can't hear you. <laughs> are you banging your head? <laughs> I'm banging. I'm banging my XT, uh, my X Pro Three, and see if I can break my monitor. Oh dear! <laughs> no, it's definitely a thing, isn't it? There's enough people out there who've had problems with it. So yeah, here's one from nothing. Mark Adams. Um, from the Adams family. Do, 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 do. Um, hi, Neil and Kev. It's the garlic king of Malmesbury's fault. Oh no, you're in trouble, Kev. Garlic. I, yeah. Well, you're the. Why are you the garlic king of Malmesbury? Is that something you once called yourself? No. And oh. I clean my teeth at least three times a day. Has Mark? Has Mark Adams been on one of your courses? Has he? Has he been on a workshop and you've breathed all over him? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Read the question. See where it goes. I saw an X-T5 for sale, and now it's mine. What a lovely camera and awesome, can we use awesome, raw files. However, Lightroom seems to have ground to a halt. I know why he said garlic. Not just... Because we were talking about garlic, me chomping on garlic for judo. I've just had a coffee arrive, Kev. Look at that. Now, you and I know that it's... Thank you very much. It's okay. (laughs) Hello, Sam. 
No, that's not Sam. That's Thomas. Oh, hello, Thomas. Sam's <laughs> off to work. Thomas has got a day off because it's teacher strike day. Yeah. Strike day, yeah, my kids are off as well. Sorry, what do you want to say? On the news, they said it might go on to next year. On the news, they said it might go on to next year, Kev. It's the excitement <laughs> of kids when the strikes are on. They're off Tuesday as well. Are they? Oh, it's Tuesday as well. That's like a four-day weekend. And yeah. then it's bank holidays, oh. and then the king's getting married or something, and then there's more bank holidays, and then thank- and it's summer holidays. Thank you. Go on, now get up the chimney. Go and clean something. <laughs> Kev, did we ever have strikes when we were at school? We did. I remember school strikes. No, did I we? Do. Yeah, I mean, in the in the late seventies. I mean, you're obviously thinking about the late fifties, oh, so thank I don't you. know about then. <laughs> but yeah, we did. Um, garlic was because of the judo and rugby conversation we had. I just remember one we had or one you had. Yeah, we had one. We had one about chewing garlic, putting people off in judo. Oh, no, yeah. The old front row used to do it in rugby. Yes, is that what? I don't remember the rugby reference. I do remember you saying you were going to do that for the judo competition. <laughs> Is that what they do when they, when you're in the front row of uh, the uh, of the scrum? Yeah. No, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The French used to do it all the time no. in the Six Nations. They would eat, they would munch on garlic and raw onions before a match. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard this in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a horrible yeah. putterophora uh, scheme! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that must have been horrible. Scrum down, lads. Oh, I don't think so. Thanks very much. I'm going to play fly half today. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, yeah, what a lovely camera, he says. However, Lightroom seems to have ground to halt. Not just bi-weekly, but every day. Mm. Uh, has the Garlic King had to upgrade his computer to cope with the files? I didn't factor in a new MacBook Pro into the budget. Uh, thanks for the excellent show from Mark Adams. Well, have you? Have you what have you noticed, Kev? <laughs> I don't have um, an XT5, so it's, it's not... It's not familiar. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, you've got the XH2 though, doesn't it? With with the, with the forty megapixel sensor. No, no, no. I've got the XH2. No, I've got the XH2s. I am going to oh, get yeah. an XH2, but it's the S at the moment, so it's um, not the same. So yeah, basically, bigger raw files will put a little bit more strain. But no, I and my my computer's absolutely fine, and so is my laptop actually. But yeah, they will be bigger, and so you will have it will have more of a strain. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, but it's really the file sizes, not the processing power. Yeah. Uh, like my tips for Lightroom, are the same regardless what you're using really is, is don't cull in Lightroom. Only take into Lightroom the images you're going to edit and keep. Uh, use something like Photo Mechanic to yeah. cull and then, you know, you won't clog up your Lightroom catalogue with loads of images that you have no intention of ever using. Uh, make sure that your cache is set big enough in Lightroom and preferences. Um, if you've got a big enough drive, I have my cache set to uh, two terabytes, which is big. Um, obviously, you need a big internal hard drive for that. Make sure you're shooting compressed RAW, by the way, as well. You don't want to be oh. shooting uncompressed RAW because yeah, then those point. files will be enormous mass. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, okay, yours. Mine. Okay. Uh, Kevin Rugland says, uh, Hi, Mr. James and Mr. Mullins. Oh, that's <laughs> I have one technical question. Yeah. I have a no. problem getting the focus peak into work on my X-H1. <clears throat> I have MF assist on peak. I can't see any yellow around my focus area. Could well, it be caused by my full manual artist, seven artisans lens? Well, I don't have an XH1 any, anymore. Um, but everything he's just described is exactly the way that I would set up my focus peaking. I'm guessing, I'm, I think what's happening here, Kevin, is that because you've got a manual focus lens, yeah. you're, you're, you're forgetting to put the XH1 into manual focus on the switch, on the front or side, wherever it is on the XH1. Oh, I've never yeah, had one. Yeah. Um, and without that, the uh, focus peaking on any Fujifilm camera doesn't work, does it? Because I found that on my uh, manual yeah. mode, yeah, manual yeah, focus yeah. mode. Yeah. 
I found that on the yeah. X Pro One. I can't see my little because it's white, isn't it? On the X Pro One, they didn't have red. Uh, did they? Have they red? only have white. Red, yeah, red, oh, they might have had red as well, but yeah, they, they didn't have many other colours. Yeah, and and I, that's I, what my guess yeah. is. That's exactly what happened to me. I, I had yeah. it set. Yeah, very good point. I, it wasn't on manual, and at the moment I, I switch, flicked the switch to manual, boom, it all worked. Yeah. The other thing to just double check if that is the case, switch your film sim to a black and white just to make sure that it's just not a case of not being able to see it much in the colour screen, and you'll you'll be able to see it clearer in the in the black and white and so you'll know at least it's working we've got one from mike miller here dear kev and neil i trust that you're both well this is a question for kev i'm just going to sit here and drink my coffee and, and, and watch my kids latin education suffer i think and let you answer all the the questions our jack do is they do latin <laughs> no no that's my <laughs> no kev <laughs> that's the sort of score that uh, jacob reese what's it face his kids <laughs> go to but not not ours kev we we are we are bolted into the comprehensive system. Well, I did Latin in school, in fairness, but did not you? for very long and no. not very well at all. At a Welsh school? Yeah, we didn't do Welsh. We did Latin. What? I did the languages I did in school were Latin, French, German, and Spanish. Blimey, you're multilingual, Kev. No, no, I can't speak any of them. Well, I can speak a bit of Spanish, but uh, for GCSEs, when when it came to GCSE choices, we had to choose either French or German, and I chose French, mm-hmm. and I was absolutely rubbish at it, mm. and I don't think I did very well with that. I think I got a D. So did you then just choose choose drawing after that? <laughs> drawing, yeah. Drawing and slow speaking. <laughs> I'm surprised that you weren't taught Welsh as part of the curriculum in a, in a Welsh no, school. It is now. Like it is now, shortly yeah. after I left, it's so it's be, yeah. it's it's on the curriculum, but not not when I was there. Nope. No, I always just say Latin because when whenever um, it used to be more a case when they were when they were much much younger. And if they were going to have a day off school or something, grandma would say, they shouldn't miss a day of school. They should be in. Only keep them at home rather if their legs hanging off. Every other reason, send them in. And I used to say to grandma, it's okay. His Latin won't suffer. And that was just something we said in the uh, in the family, but no. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, this is the question for Kev, since he's done at least one YouTube film about photo restorations. Yes, you have. I remember it. I have a large number of photographs and negatives that I need to scan and restore that are part of my wife's family. Going back, get this, Kev, this is legacy work, over a 100 years. Oh, brilliant. The main, yeah, hur- brilliant. the main hurdle that I have is giving a name or a label to various issues that come up. Uh, whenever I scan something. Once I know what to call the phenomenon that I have in front of me, I can then begin to search for a way to fix the problem. Are you keeping up? My my, yeah. my question is this. Is there a resource available, either printed or digital, free or for purchase, that is a glossary of terms and stroke or a troubleshooting guide for the digital restoration of analog images, prints or negatives? I'm not looking for a how or how to rather uh, i'm looking for something that diagnoses the symptoms and identifies what it is hmm. yeah that's a good question and no i have no idea mm. is the answer yeah because there are lots of different you know there's like scratches tears blemishes color fades yeah. you know yeah. all kinds of things uh, a glossary of terms don't know um maybe create one you know create one create a pdf of it and uh sell it yeah mike is a very i know mike as being a very thorough very researched man and i dare say when did he send this in i was only recently he's probably solved it already and he'll send us back the um what he's done and we'll read that out 
<laughs> and Mike, then you'll yeah. be an honorary member of the of the of the cast. Yeah, of the photo scratching society. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a really interesting question. There probably is, though, if you look deep enough. But um, yeah, yeah. And I think actually, yeah. Kev, I've run out of questions. Uh, I told you the the email was looking very slight. Uh, okay. Uh, in which case, I'm going to click on view previous questions. Yes. Paul Waring from 23 weeks ago. <laughs> uh, and we have what? talked about things like this before, but maybe maybe things have changed. Yeah. Uh, question for you both. What's the strangest thing that has ever happened to you at a wedding? Mm. Well, you go. Funniest thing, I suppose, is that cake that, that went, you know, the profiterole. But I think we've talked about that one before, haven't we? When I did the yeah. cake cut and I, I advised them, you know, if you want to cut a profiterole cake, what you need to do is chop through it. And they did. And they met a dowel that was running up the middle of it and the whole cake went over <laughs> uh i remember a wedding a long 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 time ago where the bride had asked me to go early to bridal prep right because she wanted to take some me to take some very special pictures of her oh i remember you telling i remember you what did you do i forget what you did i politely refused did you yeah I politely refused. Um, I did, didn't think it was the right thing to do, personally. No. Some people might have done it. I didn't. Yeah. So that was quite a weird thing, strangest thing. Yeah. An email from the bride the day before the wedding. You couldn't come and uh, take some <laughs> pictures beforehand, could you, just so I could give them to the groom afterwards? <laughs> some what pictures? <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, the dog's ears have just gone up. <laughs> no, that's yeah. don't Barney. Well, tell Barney. Tell Barney I haven't got the pictures to show him. I'm afraid. Yeah, he's looking very interested. He's he's. What are you doing? Oh no, he's scratching now. Well, oh, stop doing that. Do your dog scratch all the time? He's just. He's uh, never mind. Yeah. The bark a lot. It just becomes a scratch a lot. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, you maybe have... scratch now. He's scratching. <laughs> do you need Do you need that tablets that we're giving him? The scratch tablets. <laughs> yeah. The scratch tablets. Yeah. No, 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 it's all right. I'll just drag my ass across the floor later. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, fortunately, fortunately, he doesn't do that. That was something our Jack Russell used to do. Anyway, we've come broadly off, off, off topic. Go on, keep digging through that Facebook. <laughs> okay, right, here we go. This is from 48 weeks ago. I, we thought, you had, I, th I thought you said you had loads. I know, but it's quite random. I really need to some. I, I keep meaning to to put a new thread up, but then I feel bad about the ones we never answered. Right. So maybe I'll do another one and keep these on kind of the side burner. Yeah. Um, it's a shame you can't just export them all into a clever little system. Uh, right. Anyway, Patrick Gomez says, "Hello there, guys. I have a question. I have an X70, a very used and beaten X70. Join the club, Patrick. Uh, I got it from a photography contest and shot a bunch of photos and made a, a, tam a time lapse feature." Uh, I guess only few knew that you can just plug it into a power bank and it can shoot time lapses, even overnight. Oh. Obviously, by now, this camera has sentimental value to me. It's all bruised up with dents and damages and a broken screen. Focus dial is hard to turn. Uh, can Fujifilm refurbish it the same as six years ago or six years back when I first got it? Yeah. Uh, based from my experience in Fujifilm repair here in the UK, they will only repair what is indicated to be repaired, i.e. fixable. Um, I wish it to be as pristine as possible. There we go. First of all, I why why keep it as it is? That's the best. That's the whole point of it. It's mm. like it's it's got the battle scars, and we'll. Rem oh, I suppose you, I mean you do like you're, you're a bit like with your cameras. You're a bit like I am with my camera bags. 
I'm happy after I've dragged them through the dirt and made them look like they've been on some sort of world tour. And you like doing that with your cameras. Well, I don't do it on purpose. I just don't don't have a problem if they get a bit bashed about. Well, um, if you had dividers, Kev, it wouldn't happen. Should we start that no. debate again? God. Um, yeah, so I would like the answer. I'm fairly sure, although you would want to check with uh, Feature Film Repair Centre in Bedford, I'm fairly sure they can't do that. They yeah. they. they like for an X70, they wouldn't be able to do that. And I'm also sure that they couldn't really do that for modern cameras either, or ones that are still in the in the mix. You know, they can fix things. They could replace a top plate, for example, or, you know, fix a broken battery door. Yeah. But I'm not sure they can, they can you know, effectively take, the, they take every part off and put new parts on. Yeah. Um, so no, I think your best bet is to keep an eye out for a, a you know secondhand newish looking one, and I've seen a few of them coming up actually X seventies. Okay. Uh, people seem to be putting them back on the marketplace, maybe because they're trying to get an X one hundred V. I don't know, but no is the answer. I would say no anyway. Double check with Fujifilm. I, I met up um, a couple of weeks ago now. By the time this episode goes out, with uh, with Sean Tucker, um, in his in his part of the world in Yorkshire, which is where he now lives, uh, he, we went for a, we went for a, a photo walk, and he was using um, he got a GR three, which he converted to infrared. Um, for a particular uh, project that he's, he's working on. I thought, what a great idea. I, I'm very tempted to, um, because I, I like the, the look of the infrared projects that I, I've seen of all, all kinds. And I'm very tempted to buy a Fujifilm camera and send it to the, the company. I can't remember the company he used now, but he did tell me um, to, to have it converted. I'm, I'm wondering what body I would, maybe an X-T2 or an, maybe an X-Pro. Maybe I did love my X-Pro2s. I lamented selling those maybe an x-pro 2 would be fun to do that with mm. have, conver- have you ever thought about converting um I, i'm 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 sensing by your by your enthusiasm that the answer is going to be no no i have to say <laughs> infrared photography is as interesting to me as pictures of seas when they look like milk okay (laughs) it it does not it does not float my boat but of course that's my personal thing but yeah no i I never you know also you can just press the infrared button in photoshop not the same Mm. (laughs) okay i'm not i'm not going to win you over on this one no not really um but i you know i get it you know look one 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 man's what is it? One, one man's mile is another man's inch or something. No, no. But Patrick, you can also, perhaps you could try fixation, by the way. That just came to my mind. Fixation in um, Vauxhall in London. They do uh, a lot of repairs and stuff like that. So check out fixation. They might be able to do something with your X70 for you. Yeah, they're very good at fixation. There's only one thing that I've taken to them across the years that they've not been able to fix, and that was my 50mm 1.2 Canon lens, which I adored. It was an ama- I think you had that piece of glass. I did. I loved that lens also, yeah. What a lens. Um, but unfortunately, the the, um, the ultrasonic motory thing, I think it got a few too many bangs, and then boom, it wouldn't work anymore. So um, I, I took it along to fixation, and uh, they gave me the bad news that it would probably cost more to fix and get a new, uh, a, a used one. So that was the end of, of the lens. But they were really good. The, I can't remember her name. I've spoken to her a few times, so I feel a bit embarrassed. I can't remember. Um, not that she's necessarily listening to this, but she was really, really good. And she phoned me up and she said, now, I want you to know that we're not throwing the lens away. We're putting it out to pasture so it can eat grass for the rest of its life with all the other lenses that no longer work. Because <laughs> this thing had travelled the world with me. And I put the phone down. I thought, oh, 
I feel so much better. Thank you. Thank you for lying to me. Mm. Although I like to believe my 50mm lens is now is now out, out in open countryside, chomping on, on meadow grass and enjoying its time with other lenses. It is indeed. Right, we've got time for a QQ, and that is it for this week. Um, what's it going to be, Kev? <laughs> oh, it's still, I've gone off. Yeah. I've gone off to something else. <laughs> um, right, QQ, uh, I did just see one. Oh, no, it's gone away. We do need to be quick as well, because yeah. you and I have got a call to jump onto. We've got, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hello, hello, gentlemen. Uh, this is Michael Dries. Hello, gentlemen. I'm wondering what film simulations will be included with the new XT5. I saw during the presentation there was a menu showing both classic Neg and nostalgic Neg. I would love to see both of these sims in the new camera. Yes, they were. <laughs> That's how I like to deal with a QQ, Kev. Yeah. It's there done. We go. Yeah. Sorted. Right. Well, questions, please. Send them into Facebook. Uh, Kev will wait for about 48 weeks and then he'll answer one. Um, are you going to put a new post up then, Kev? I think I'm going to have to. Yeah. I'm going to have to. There is some. There's. Oh, there's, uh, yeah. It's too hard. Facebook is not an easy interface. Keep going no, up and down. No. Maybe I. Oh, perhaps we should think of another way of doing it. Anyway, whatever. Yes. Doesn't matter. So if you want, if you bye, if you want to leave a question for for Facebook, how is the way that you do do it at present, Kev? You go to the facebook.com yeah. click on the, go to the Fujicast Facebook group. Uh, we have about two, two, just over two thousand members now, and um, there is a, a pinned thread at the top, um, which is uh, called questions for the show thread. Uh, pop them in there. And if you'd like to email in, please uh, click at fujicast.co.uk. Otherwise, I'm going to sit here and just bat everything to Mullins. Yeah, uh, click yeah, at, exactly. <laughs> click at and Or uh, fill in the form on the website. Oh, yeah, fill in the form on the website. We will see you in a couple of weeks' time. Um, we've got a very important, very could be an exciting call, Kev, but I'm not sure. That might have just... That might just thwarted the excitement that's probably given it the kiss the kiss of of, of non-luck but uh, we might have some news for you who knows who knows we'll see you in a couple of weeks time bye Kev the Fujicast is an independent loading zone production email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way